beautiful Saturday afternoon and you are unhappy and miserable, then you probably do need to find some joy and and celebrate wins a little bit more as well. But we got that's always going to celebrate wins. I've been a part of teams where uh, the head coach walked in the locker room after a win and absolutely blistered that team. And they didn't win a game the rest of the year. And I said that I will never do that as a head coach. Are we going to hold them accountable? Did I tell them in the locker room Saturday that we need to be a whole lot better and that we were nowhere near our best and that we got a lot to clean up? Yes, but we're also going to celebrate and never walk out of a locker room feeling like we lost the football game. And I would hope our fans, who are the greatest fans in America, walked out of Williams-Brice Stadium on Saturday. You know what? Disappointed in maybe some things that happened and how we performed and self-inflicted mistakes because I was as the head coach as well. But – I was happy as heck because we won that football game. And I went home on Saturday night and had a great time with my family and, and enjoyed the victory because a lot of work went into it and then got right back up here early Sunday morning and was right back to work cleaning a lot. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, back from Paris, international traveler. Um, did, you, did you learn anything? Anything new over there on your great voyage? I learned all that has to happen for football to win is for me not to be there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess they were on a snap the losing streak once I left the country. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that was uh, that was true. Um, <laughs> and I uh, got to see some dazzling performances from the women's basketball team, who of course started their season one and zero. Men's teams also started one and zero, albeit against a little bit of a lesser prestigious opponent than the women's team but hey still uh, off to a good start on on both squads there we'll get into that a little bit um we'll talk a little bit about Vanderbilt um I guess I wanted to start though with that that quote um and then I also on the insiders forum this week uh posted a couple of tweets that I saw from former South Carolina players um it the the thread started with Mike Davis um the running back from uh, the Steve Spurrier area. And uh, he posted this video that was kind of going around of Spurrier after a win against Vanderbilt in 2014. That was not great. Um, So I'm going to play a little clip from that and then we can just kind of compare the two clips. I don't think, by the way, that Beamer was talking about that. He wasn't on that uh, staff. I don't think he's talking about the same game or anything. But But they also uh, won games after that too. The one he referenced was they didn't win a game again the rest of the year. Yeah. But I did think it was kind of just interesting uh, to see these side by side. So let me share that real quick. You get an exclusive look at the Insiders Forum, which normally you have to pay for. But you can you can see it on my screen here for a second if you're watching on YouTube. Oh, well, it took me out to Twitter. Sorry, that's my bad. Should have known that that was going to happen. While it's loading, I will just continue to talk so that we don't have dead air. And here we go. We still have dead air. Where's the sound? Um, in the mean, in the meantime, a quick note that just dropped: uh, SEC football schedule for 2024 is coming out December 13th. If you're into schedule releases and things like that. Um, we already know South Carolina's opponents. We already know all the non-con opponents. But you'll get some dates in about a month if you want to start planning your Oklahoma or your Tuscaloosa travel. I just dropped. Oh, okay. 
Good to know. Uh, <laughs> could you not hear the? No, I couldn't. Oh, I know what he said. I've seen the clip. So yeah, yeah, we can just go over it, and I'll cut that later. Uh, it was playing for me for some reason. That wasn't for me. Anyway, um, anyway, so yeah, basically, Spurrier's like I. It was an embarrassing win, uh, and I'm the coach of this embarrassing team. Blah blah blah. Um, granted, I love Steve Spurrier, and you can't really argue with his results. Um, but I guess the point was after that, uh, started going around the internet and people were kind of comparing that to some of the things that Beamer said on Sunday and some of the things that I guess, uh, he said and what the, the clip we started the show with, uh, Mike Davis says, I see a lot of folks praising the video or this video, but he definitely lost respect for a lot of players in the team meeting was even worse. Um, Savelle Newton had a little bit of a different take uh where he said well he was also i guess criticizing spurrier saying praising and honoring someone who walked on a team he talked so much dirt to me as a young man i needed a leader to wear many hats in my life other than wins and losses this man told me i wasn't a quarterback the very first conversation we had then told me i could transfer um and then you had garcia chime in who was a little bit more uh i guess complimentary of the tough love where you said, I don't know, this is pretty standing standard operating procedure in the QB room. When you mentioned my name in the media, I didn't give a shit clearly because I kept doing dumb shit, which ultimately was my demise. I wish I would have listened, but yeah, getting constantly ripped in the meetings and media wasn't fun at all. And this isn't uh, to necessarily like hyper analyze Steve Spurrier's coaching tactics. Cause obviously uh, his career kind of speaks for itself. Um, but I did think it was interesting, I guess, to see those former players have differing takes on that coaching style um, and kind of come out, I guess, more in support of at least the way that Beamer doesn't usually ever throw any players under the bus and um, tends to try to keep a positive attitude even when things aren't going perfectly. And, you know, on the other hand, that seems to run the rub the fan base or at least certain sections of the fan, fan base the wrong way sometimes. So I was wondering what your take was, I guess, on those differing styles and and whether or not you can win either way, because I tend to think you can. But um, all right, let's. I always say let's try to keep the facts. The facts here. The game in question there is 2014 South Carolina at Vanderbilt. South Carolina wins the game 48 to 34, but they give up 34 points to um, to Vanderbilt team that went three and nine that year. Uh, they are three and one at that point. They end the year six and six regular season. They lost the next two weeks after that. So if you want to believe uh, what Mike Davis is saying there, there's no reason to lie. Yeah, they did kind of take a tumble there. They lost a home game the next week. Um, obviously, they ended up going, what would that be, three and five over the final eight regular season games. And a lot of them were kind of that same way where you your defense gave up a lot of late points right. to inferior opponents or – so you take that there and you also take the fact that Steve Spurrier still does have the most successful run in South Carolina football history the four years prior to that um there's one and I would and I would again say keep the main thing the main thing was Saturday you want a football game Saturday it's kind of where I would come to it um are you happy about the way you played probably not uh you I mean, you were in a four-quarter football game with Jacksonville State. I know Jacksonville State's a pretty good group of five. Jacksonville State's got a, a well-constructed offense. All those things are true. You were down in the third quarter at home. You needed to force four turnovers. Like, I can understand being frustrated or maybe not thinking this team is, you know, going to be able to win the next three games to get to a bowl game, anything like that. I don't necessarily think – this is where I will kind of agree with Beamer here. I don't necessarily think 
getting upset or unhappy about winning that game is wrong. Just because, I mean, you've all watched what you've watched the last month, uh, the last two months, really. I mean, you put a lot into it. You talk about, I, I think there's a lot of validity to Shane. You know, we get 12 Saturdays a year. That means 353 days a year we're preparing for Saturdays. That's not his quote, but that's that's the truth. Um, and when you spend 353 days a year preparing for things, yeah, it's, I don't think there's a problem celebrating a win. No, I, I tend to agree with that. And I also, it sounds like he's not unwilling to have hard conversations with his staff and his team internally. He's just not going to air that you know, publicly. Um, and I tend to, uh, to respect that. So I don't know. I like the positivity. Um, if you look at back at the YouTube comments from our video on Monday, recapping the game, uh, Pauline and I tried to stay a little positive and it seemed like a couple people in the fan base kind of appreciated that too. Um, I don't know. I know negative headlines sell or, or whatever. And, uh, it's been a frustrating season in a lot of ways, but, I think we've said this throughout, you know, a lot of the losing streak and whatever, like it doesn't feel like time to abandon ship. Um, so I don't know if you just need to like blow off some steam and that makes you feel better. Great. But I don't know what you ultimately I think want to change. I think the perfect encapsulation of the whole thing, and maybe this is how we kind of transition to this week is almost a year ago, exactly to the day it was week 10 last year. They play Vanderbilt which is the opponent this week. You win the game in Nashville didn't play particularly well. You still won, but you gave up 27 points. You were in a four-quarter game against Vanderbilt, but you win that night despite a bunch of injuries. You clinch a bull bid. That was win number six last year. They were six and three. And Shane Beamer comes into that press room in Nashville and says, our fan base needs to find some joy after a sloppy win against a team you feel like you should have beat by more. People made T-shirts. People put it in their bio, in their social media bios, to turn into a thing. You know, it became kind of a rallying cry. And he says the same thing a year later, almost exactly one year, and they're three and six. Everybody hates it. When you're winning, that stuff's great. When you're not, it's not. That that's not just for find some joy. That's for literally anything a coach could say. That it's just going to sound better at six and three than three and six. It's true. I did feel a little bit like the uh, the Leo meme, like pointing though when yeah, I said yeah. it. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> there it is. He said it. Um, yeah, because he said the same thing last year. Uh, this this week. Um, yeah, so I guess that does that is a good transition. Obviously, South Carolina has to win out to make it to a bowl game that starts this week with a home game against Vanderbilt. We were talking before the show, honestly, maybe an easier matchup than last week, especially when you consider uh, what South Carolina's strengths on defense are, um, what their strengths on offense are, whatever. So, um, I guess the story for Vanderbilt thus far this season is not very good. They're two and eight, eight, two and seven, two and eight. Um, they have forced the second most amount of turnovers in the SEC on defense. So that's the one positive of their calling card. And, and South Carolina will have to do a good job protecting the football this weekend. Um, but they've also given up almost the same amount of turnovers. Um, and, uh, you know, South Carolina showed last week that they, Maybe the uh, averages are starting to work out a little bit um, for their own turnover or like forced turnovers on defense. So, um, you know, maybe you can get Vanderbilt to cough it up a couple times this weekend. And otherwise, their offense has just been pretty bad all around. Um, 
They have three different quarterbacks that have played throughout the year. We just got a note that Ken Seals will be the one that starts uh, this weekend. He's had the most games played, uh, completing around 60% of his passes. He's got the best touchdown interception rate of them uh, with nine touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, Allegedly is kind of mobile, but haven't seen that really play out uh, on the statue too much. Their run game in general has been pretty bad. Their top rusher has like 200 yards rushing on the year or 250. Um, yeah, it's a game that South Carolina, I think, should expect to win comfortably. I think, I guess my first question about this week, you start sitting up this game, is what you faced last week with kind of the quarterback switching and kind of having to prepare for different things, different looks. Is that helpful going into this week when – Okay, Ken Seals is starting, but we know Walter Taylor, that's the six foot seven, I think like 235 pound Vanderbilt quarterback is available. AJ Swan, who started against South Carolina last year and turned the ball over a couple times, but had had a couple eye popping throws in that game and kept Vanderbilt in it, is also available. Does the fact that you faced two quarterbacks last week and kind of already got a preparation, had to prepare for something like that, does that help you this week? Because I kind of think it does. And maybe some of the change-up factor of what Vanderbilt can do with multiple quarterbacks is not out the window because they're their own players, but it's maybe not going to phase South Carolina the, the way it did last week. Yeah, I think that that'll, that'll play a factor. Um, I think all of Vanderbilt's quarterbacks are probably less of a running threat than either of the Jacksonville State guys were last week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know <laughs> – I've watched a little bit of Andy throughout the year. I've watched a little bit of uh, those three quarterbacks, and I really don't even see a discernible difference. I guess maybe they're going with logo with the high hand uh, on Saturday, if that's possible. But yeah, I mean, maybe I tend to think unless something fluky happens, you should have a good game on defense on Saturday. And if you don't, that's a pretty big problem if you're a South Carolina fan. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the root of the not the issue, but the root of the the situation this week is for one week for an isolated sixty minutes. I'm not saying if you shut out Vanderbilt, you're going to shut out Kentucky and Clemson. I don't want to stack it like that because you are still in that one week at a time mode. But this needs to be a week your defense carries you. And I'm not saying this offense can't score in Vanderbilt. I expect them to score in the 30s again. I think. We haven't even talked about the offense yet, but that's had another great day last week. Um, you should be able to force a couple turnovers. You should be able to win up front. You should be able to get them in third and longs. They're a hundred and I had it written down, a hundred and ninth in the country in third downs this year. So you're not facing an offense that has been prolific at that, which Jack State burned you on. I think 10 for 19 last week was the number. Um I'm not saying you gotta hold them to zero yards an entire game or something insane, but they're averaging 17 points a game in league play, and they've scored 22 total the last two weeks. 14? Yeah. 17? Like, I don't think that's a crazy ask to keep keep this team under 20. I think I think under 20 absolutely should be the goal. Um, on the other side, they're giving up a lot of points per game, uh, 33.9 on the season, which is good for 120th uh, in the country. Not good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, on paper – Seems like a game that you should win and win comfortably. And I do think if that isn't the way that it plays out, you might start hearing some of those boos that we heard last Saturday. Um, which, yeah, isn't 
isn't ideal. Um, I think best case scenario, you're just hoping this is a springboard uh, into the last two games of the season, because if you have another nail biter in a game that you probably feel like you shouldn't, like you did last week, it's hard to feel like you have a whole lot of momentum against the two tougher games left on the schedule after. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to set this up. Look, the goal here is to still win three more games and to get to a bowl game. Um, and again, it's we talked about on this show last week. You can't win four in a row unless you win one in a row. You took care of Jack State. How that happened doesn't matter right now. You did. Same thing. You can't win three in a row unless you win one in a row. You got to take out Vanderbilt this weekend. I'm not going to say by any means necessary. I don't think if you if you won this game 28-27 on a block field goal at the end that you'd feel great about that. Um but this is, you are in survive in advanced mode right now. Um, and I think you feel, if nothing else, you feel like you feel good about your offense doing whatever you need to do against this Vanderbilt defense to keep things on schedule. And then how good you feel going into Kentucky and Clemson, I think, comes back to what your defense can do. Kind of, how about this? How about you dictate terms? How about you don't feel like you're on even footing? You don't feel like it's a back and forth game like Jack State. You don't feel like you're getting pushed around. Even if you don't blow them out, even if it's like, I don't know, 31 to 17, but you just feel like you're in control the whole game. You don't think there's a threat. You're just kind of dictating terms. It's not really quantifiable, but I think that's maybe a fair way to go about looking at this. Yeah. I mean, don't fall behind early. Yep. <laughs> don't feel like you <laughs> don't end in a situation where they're driving to win in the fourth quarter would be a good start. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh I do think that there's an opportunity for South Carolina to get the run game going here. Um, last week, Auburn uh, broke two long touchdown runs against Vanderbilt. Um, also kind of keeps the, the ball out of danger, which uh, Vanderbilt's DBs, like I said, have been pretty opportunistic with interceptions and stuff. So um, I would like to see yeah, South Carolina kind of focus on, on getting the run game going. And um, yeah, on defense, I don't... I think you'll be embarrassed if they score more than 17, but that's, and I mean, at least pure offensive points, you know, whatever fluky things can happen, sure. turn, uh, kick, uh, you know, pick six, whatever. But um, assuming nothing like that happens, I think you have to keep them around that, that point total. Um, anything, any updates on the injuries that you saw earlier this week? Yep. So kind of going back to your point about the running game, trying to get going, you're going to have to do it without to carry on joiner this week. He is out. I know he's not the lead back anymore. I hate that for him because he's running out of football games. He's still going to play in his college career. Um, if they don't make a bowl, he's got two left after this week, three left after this week at the most. I just hate that he's going to lose one of those. Um, Trey Jones out. So we're back to the offensive line revolving door. Um, that's your, that was your left guard. He's hurt. And then, Maybe more from Beamer tonight. Trey Knox questionable. I know he missed last week, and that led to Joshua Simon playing his season high in snaps and red zone targets. I wrote about that a little bit in behind the box score, but he was very involved in the offense last week, especially down in um, down in those crunch situations. And we're still just working on the assumption he's not coming back. They won't rule him out. Uh, he's Shane Mary said he doesn't expect Juice Wells to play this week. That would be seven in a row without Juice if he doesn't play Saturday. Yeah. I don't want to speculate too much on that, but there was an interesting way that he worded that this week, I thought, where he said something like, once Juice Wells is mentally and physically ready, and he led with the mentally ready, and I was like, hmm, I wonder what that means. I mean, you're at the point now where after Vanderbilt, like, you've got two regular season games left. I mean, that's at that point, like, 
is he back next week? No. Is he back the week now? No. Like, okay. Like, like it's not even like a long-term thing at this point. We're, we've shrunk enough season left. We can just kind of look at it in terms of that. Well, yeah. I also almost wonder if Juice himself is thinking about what his plans next year are going to be. Yeah, he has um, to be. And if that's the case, maybe it's better off. He's better off just full on sitting out the rest of the year, taking the medical red shirt, uh, having that extra year to play with or whatever. He is for what it's worth. And I don't necessarily anticipate this happening, but talk about a medical red shirt. He is allowed to play in one more game and still keep that. He's played in three. Like I think the funny scenario, a lot of South Carolina fans want that I've, I've seen on some other, you know, some boards and stuff is just turn him loose on Clemson. Cause you can do that without messing up anything for next year. If that's just the one extra game he plays. Yeah. And there is definitely a part of you, if you're a South Carolina fan, even though the offense has not been really the problem this year, it's gone through some stretches that haven't been ideal. Um, that has to wonder how good this offense would have been if you had um, Juice Wells and Xavier to get healthy through most of the season. I mean, you saw it for one drive against Georgia and it looked pretty good, but yeah. um, outside of that, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle. So yeah, um, Speaking of Xavier Leggett, he, uh, Peyton wrote on the site uh, last week, he's getting very close uh, to making some South Carolina history by becoming the, I believe it would be sixth player to break a thousand yards um, on the season. So that's something to kind of look out for this weekend or next weekend. He's, he's encroaching pretty quickly. Um, what's, I actually don't know what his actual number is at. I want to yeah, say I'm, I'm getting high, now. Um, high 700s right now. Um, I think he's above that. Uh, because he, he he went for over two hundred. He had the yeah. second greatest receiving yards in a game in program history last week. Uh, two seventeen right. was only behind uh Pharaoh Cooper, uh, yeah. twenty fourteen against Tennessee. So your uh your program record is Alshon at fifteen seventeen. That's probably, still probably not going to get that. But feels maybe. like a lot. And you yeah. talk about like a thousand yards and adding another another half of a thousand on top of that. Um. I'm getting to uh, Leggett's numbers right now, but you know, you look at um, the program leaderboard and it's all the names you'd expect up there. And now Leggett certainly has earned a spot up there. I thought Dowell Loggins had a really good thing on Leggett in his press yesterday. If you guys want to go back and look at that, it's on the website. Leggett's yeah, at 973 right now. So, oh, so he almost certainly should break it. This break a thousand against yeah. Vanderbilt. And then you're just for the sake of it, your top is actually only five that are over. So your top five in school history Alshon Jeffrey, 2010, that's 1517. There's a big gap. Sidney Rice, 1,143 and 05. Farrell Cooper, 1,136 and 14. Sterling Sharp, 1,106 and 1986. Sidney Rice, 1090 and 2006. So, like, you know, do I, he would still need 544 yards in three games to get to Jeffrey's record? That, Feels no, like a stretch. I, would, I think second is definitely attainable. I, oh, second place. I would be surprised if he didn't get there at this point. You're talking about only needing another, so would that be 170 yards? You could get that against Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, you're really good. Um, yeah, so that that's something interesting in a you know somewhat disappointing season to kind of keep track of. Um, and another thing I think to look for this weekend is just the freshman and sophomores continuing to take steps forward. The people that ideally you think you're going to be starting to depend on more and more next year alongside whoever you get in the portal and, and the 2024 recruiting class. Um, guys like Nick Harbor, who you know sort of disappeared a little bit last week, uh, they did take that one shot per game that I 
usually ask for, but it uh, didn't work out too well uh, right after the half. Um, did you get a chance to see that play? I tend to think did, that yeah. that's one that Nick Harbour in a year or two probably makes, even, even if he doesn't catch it, it doesn't get intercepted. Um, but he just got kind of out, uh, jumped or out, out, out maneuvered, uh, for that one. And that's something he'll get better at using that big body to, to get in between that ball. Um, Tyshawn Russell has had a couple of bad drops the past couple of weeks. We'll be interesting to see if he can kind of have a bounce back game. And yeah, do you get up enough to maybe see some Lenora Sellers or something, which uh, Clayton White talked a good bit about yesterday. Um, he's been running the um, scout team this week and apparently giving the defense some fits there. Yeah, I, I think that maybe is your, I don't want to say your biggest disappointment because I still think it's probably the defense giving up over 400 yards, but your other disappointment coming out of Jacksonville State maybe is you didn't get to see Lenora Sellers. Um I think that does not there was any doubt that does pretty much guarantee his red shirt because only played in one game you only have three left even if he did play in every game for some reason that's the way he'd still be at four um but yeah i think in a, in a perfect world you would like to see lenoris a little bit on saturday because you're not anticipating a game where you'd be far enough ahead or hopefully if you're sick not behind against kentucky or clemson and it's possible you, you've seen you've already seen the last of them this season i think that'd be a bummer for fans who just saw that glimpse against Furman and wanted to catch more of it um and saturday is your best chance you can get ahead two or three scores in the fourth quarter no yeah i agree um also just a quick note on the game it is the veterans um appreciation day or whatever so another reason to go uh check it out if you are in town and on the fence about it i'm have they announced sure. a sellout yet i've been a little bit out of it. i don't think they have they haven't yeah so uh tickets still available probably a little bit cheaper than the last two games of the season will be so uh yeah get out there um let's transition a little bit to talk about basketball so let's start with the men and then we can finish up with the women since uh that'll probably be a bit longer uh the men on monday started their season with an 82 to 53 win over usc upstate um perry mccarty covered that for us on gamecockscoop.com so neither of us were watching that one live but a nice start to the season for BJ Mack, who uh, transferred from Wofford, was probably one of the bigger transfer um, pickups this, this offseason. Um, Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper, they all um, had over 10 points. Uh, Miles Stu as well had 10 points. So um, pretty, pretty well spread out offensively for South Carolina. Um, dominated both halves. Uh, 42 points in the first half, 40 points in the second half, and and really, yeah, kind of took off running and never looked back in that one. Uh, I don't have a ton to add on game one against USC Upstate. I think you saw what you needed to see there. I think you saw what it's going to look like if this team is better. You, the transfers, the guys you brought in, the talent supplement, it worked, at least for a night. I'm not saying it's this team's going to the Final Four, but the guys you brought in to upgrade last year's guys played well on night one. Cooper, you saw the shots. Um Meech Johnson was already here last year, but he picked up right where he left off. BJ Mack, like you said, Miles Stude, like you said, like there's the the idea of what this team's supposed to be and maybe this team's identity kind of looked like it in game one. I'm very interested in tomorrow night on a neutral court against a power five opponent who's more talented than you, but still not ranked, still didn't go to the tournament last year. Um and I'm interested to see how that looks tomorrow against uh, Virginia Tech and Charlotte. A little bit of a, a Beamer Bowl on hardwood there. 
I think at the very least, it sort of showed that if South Carolina is on uh, from behind the arc, they're going to be able to probably knock off a couple of, of mm-hmm. teams that they shouldn't throughout the season. Um, they shot 22 threes, made over half of them, uh, uh, 54.5% from three-point land. Uh, when you're making 12-plus threes a night, you're going to be in a whole lot of ball games. So um, obviously that's not always the stickiest stat, um, but I think on nights that two or three of them are are shooting pretty well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think that's that's the identity of this team is three-point shooting. They're going to live by it. They're going to die by it. There's going to be some nights where it looks pretty bad. There's going to be some nights where you look up at the under-eight timeout and say, hey, they're playing a, a top-25 team and they're tied right now in the second half. All right, let's talk a little women's uh, basketball. So South Carolina won 100-71 to <laughs> against Notre Dame. Um, probably exceeded expectations in some ways. Uh, Allen was in Paris, um, which seemed like it was pretty fun from the pictures and stuff that I saw you post. Um, game started pretty competitive. Actually, Notre Dame was leading after the first quarter, 25 to 24, 24. Uh, but then South Carolina dominated pretty much the rest of the way from there. Uh, saw a lot from the freshmen. Um, what was, I guess, your, your takeaways from that game and what South Carolina's ceiling is this season after kind of turning over the roster um, and, you know, making the historic run that they made the past few seasons. I, I think, I think again, this kind of goes back to the football thing I said, but I think you just got to start with the facts. Sometimes they lost all five starters. They lost seven out of 14 players on last year's roster. They played a top 10 opponent who I think a lot of people think is also final four good on a neutral floor. And they hung a hundred points on them. Just start there before you get to anything else. And then once you do get to everything else, Malaysia full Wiley might be better than we thought. And that's a player Dawn called generational before the exhibition game. Even I think by now you've all seen the clips, the, the up and under layup that had magic Johnson going nuts on Twitter, the kind of behind the back pass that had Dawn just throw her hands up, like just kind of doing things with the ball. They don't really see people do, especially freshmen. Um, I think that's my biggest takeaway. I think that's probably everybody's biggest takeaway that she's a freshman. She's not starting right now. I'm not saying she's going to take, take an upperclassman spot in the lineup after one game, but she played 26 minutes off the bench. And I think at a certain point, you're going to have a hard time not starting her, having her play starter minutes because it's just too much talent to keep on your bench, even as a true freshman. Yeah, we talked a little bit in our offseason preview that's going to look different. Uh, your your defense isn't going to be quite as stifling as it was, which it, it wasn't. You know, Notre Dame did score some points. Um, but you look back uh, at last season and the amount of times that South Carolina scored 100 points. You got the very first game of the season against East Tennessee State. They won 101 to 31. Uh, and then you had another inferior opponent uh, in December against Coastal. You won 102 to 39 um and that's the only time you scored 100 points last season to do it against a top 10 opponent um in a neutral on a neutral court um and and you know notre dame tried to keep up they had a pretty good offensive game themselves uh against a normal opponent but south carolina was not a normal opponent <laughs> i think that's kind of the takeaway that this is not a normal team maybe and like I, i'm still i still think there's going to be growing pains i still think there's going to be things this team to work out defensively. I mean, you saw Notre Dame also had a true freshman score 31 points in Hidalgo that no one's talking about. They gave up some outside shots, but this team is still loaded. You asked me the ceiling question, like 
there's no reason this team can't get back to the final four and be right there. Um, I think you just kind of just kind of look around for a second. It's kind of, it's one of those 30,000 foot level things. You look around, you're in Paris and you see an 80% game caught crowd. Uh, you look and see a true freshman from 10 miles outside campus take over the game at 18 years old. And you just kind of realize what's actually been built here for a program that hadn't really had any success before Don Staley got here. You just kind of look, I know that's a very big picture thing to look at after game one of the regular season, but you just kind of take the whole thing and you realize what's happening. You sign another officially got a letter of intent from another five-star yesterday on signing day. Uh, you've got Joyce Edwards, who's also a five-star who's from Camden, South Carolina, who's expected to come to South Carolina, but hasn't signed yet. Um, I just, whether or not this season ends in a national title or whatever, we got a long way to go to that. Like dynasty, world known dynasty. Like it's just kind of look at it that way when you see it in Paris like that. I say, yeah, literal world known. And I imagine a lot of those folks in Gamecock gear were didn't come from South Carolina to to watch the game right. or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, any highlights from the lead up? to the game uh, as far as what you got to do uh, with the team around the team or what you did personally in Paris? Um, I'll start with the team stuff. Y'all, you're all here to hear about South Carolina. The, they did an open practice slash youth clinic on Saturday. And that was just, it was about 50 or so kids. I don't think most of them spoke any English, but it was just kind of doing basketball things, some dribbling, some shooting. Everyone's having a really good time. Um, that was kind of cool. Just again, you think about like what the program is and kind of where it's gone. You're teaching kids in other countries how to play basketball, just doing stuff like that. Um, as for what I did, the Louvre was cool. There's a lot of art. I don't know if you've ever been in a place with 35,000 pieces of art. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, yes, yeah, I heard Don Staley say that the Mona Lisa was one of her highlights as well. Yeah, so. it's people say it's tiny. It's, it's not as big as some of the other stuff there, but it's like a normal size painting. I don't know where the small reputation comes from. It's pretty average size. Um, Maybe yeah, it was, in uh, comparison to the hype or something. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah. I don't like there's other other cooler stuff there. Maybe that's why people say it's overrated. Like it wasn't the coolest thing in the building, but for what it was, it was cool. And I know the team had a good time and the team, they did, they went up the Eiffel tower. Um, it's just, um, it kind of puts things in perspective of how far the programs come, women's basketballs come, um, and just kind of. I think one of the things that hit me was walking into a, a hotel, uh, the team hotel. There were some boosters and some donors who were staying there, and just seeing the amount of South Carolina gear in a hotel in France, just like, I don't know, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, and I think it's uh, fair to. I don't know, put Don, start to put Don uh, in the conversation with some of the greats of like throughout women's basketball history in terms Easily. of impact and, and uh, getting more and more girls interested in sports. And uh, like you said, international reach at this point. So pretty cool. Um, definitely a moment, I guess, where you feel a little, little pride uh for the state of south carolina for the program uh for the university all those sorts of things yeah absolutely um and again you just talk about like this roster and kind of the recruiting and you know ashlyn watkins played very well in, on um 
on, on Monday. She's from the state of South Carolina. Full Wiley's obviously from Columbia. Um, Joyce Edwards, if she commits, she's from Camden. Um, you've got just, and even going back to like Asia Wilson's from South Carolina, uh, Elena Coates, like it's that happens when you build a program and over 10, 15 years, people around the state want to build parks and build courts and have kids playing and schools start having gym with basketball. And that's one of those like decades long things that you don't really realize till you realize it. And then you look back at the whole thing and it's like, Oh, that's why there's a bunch of five stars in South Carolina now in women's basketball. Yeah. And I, I do want to give a shout out to the athletic department, Don Staler yourself, uh, Deanna, who who runs things over there, um, for making it possible for you to go and for us to be able to represent things there. Uh, that was that was that's a really cool opportunity. Uh, pretty great job you have, you know. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was really cool, and um, they're gonna be back in action with another top fifteen opponent Sunday against Maryland. That's just hits keep on coming. Play a tough schedule, schedule aggressively, and then like I said, the men also have a, an interesting test tomorrow night in Charlotte against uh, Virginia Tech. And football Saturday, obviously. Yeah, so we'll have coverage of all of that on GamecockScoop.com over the weekend. Should be a really fun weekend. Also, we won't have coverage of this, but just if you're interested in South Carolina sports, I believe the women's soccer team kicks off their first round of the NCAA tomorrow, yep. tomorrow night as well. Um, so lots of cool things happening in South Carolina athletics right now. Um, even if you're a little bit down on the way that the football season has gone, plenty to get excited about. Um, and you can check out all of our coverage there at GamecockScoop.com. We'll be back here on Monday, probably, to uh, review the South Carolina and Vandy game and talk a little bit about how the basketball teams did over the weekend. And until next time, this has been the GamecockScoop.com podcast. We'll see you.